What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Social Standard Podcast. My guest today is Rob Jones. He is the creative lead at Rev Partners, where he creates hilarious and entertaining content all about their main focus client, HubSpot. So, Rob, what is up and welcome? Great to be here. Yeah, the shirt. Uh, I need more HubSpot shirts, but that's what I do. I recently was promoted to creative lead, so even more humorous content. Uh, about it. RevOps, HubSpot, all that stuff coming out very soon. Yeah, I love it. And um, we're going to get into your background and kind of why you're an interesting candidate for some of this stuff. But today, I think generally what we're going to discuss is how entertainment and humor are showing up in the B2B marketing side of the equation, if it's a fit for all businesses, and how you are helping HubSpot lean into this trend directly or indirectly. Um, so let's let's start with that first piece, because I think this is what's really interesting. So give me the background really quickly on who Rev Partners is and what you guys do. Yeah, we are a HubSpot partner. They have a solutions partner program. Uh, we were the fastest to Diamond and fastest to Elite. Uh, so it's a kind of a criterion or ranking system for partners. Um, we have standardized on HubSpot, which is a differentiator in that other agencies may um, work with multiple CRMs or multiple vendors. Like you, if you want to move to Salesforce, you can, or HubSpot, you can. We've done away with that. It's HubSpot or nothing for us. So we can move you from, we do a lot of integration work, uh, a lot of data migrations. Uh, we can code and build stuff for you. But if the end result isn't that being HubSpot, then we don't, we don't touch it. Um, but we've been around for about two and a half, three years. I've been with the team for, I mean, not even two years yet, which is crazy to even think. It feels like five years. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we have a lot of fun doing it. We have some of the best people in the world and that's from uh, a culture that was intentionally cultivated to unlock human flourishing. And I'm uh, almost the best example of that, that I can think of. Yeah. So I think along those lines, like tell, tell our audience a little bit about your experience because before Rev Partners, you were not doing anything like this. Yeah, I was a, uh, promoted to customer as I used to hear back in the day. So I was done everything. I've been a personal trainer. I've sold cars. I've done insurance work. I've been a, a public servant in, in the firefighting space. I've been an EMT. I've done everything. So moved here, uh, had an opportunity to break in. I do have some sales experience. Started off here as like an intern. Uh, a door open, a window closed door open, whatever. It was like a gaping hole opened, a wall opened, and I ran through it. So I a was portal. In a portal. <laughs> yeah, a portal. The whole, everything fell down. I just walked through. So promoted to interim sales director uh, did the, and then sales director for about a year and then moved kind of into the branding space. And I think a lot of that was just contingent on the avalanche of, I don't, I don't even think it would be called success, but just like attention from inbound last year with the, I'm the orange mm -hmm. suit guy, by the way, if, if right. people aren't, most people just are like, Oh, that guy's wearing an orange suit. That's me. Um, so that kind of changed things, but it's been what I've, I've been most passionate about like, regardless of career forever. I used sure. to make video, like phone videos and jingles and songs, I mean, for the last 10, That's 15 awesome. years, just well, for fun. But what I think is interesting for our audience specifically, and we're going to get into this because you make a lot of really funny, wacky, crazy content about HubSpot. But what I want our audience to take away from this is that you had no background in this. This is yeah. just something that kind of came about. So you started making what I would say you're doing music videos about HubSpot. You have started a band at Rev Partners where it's, I believe, a bunch of other uh, teammates 
that are playing in a band. So you're creating songs about HubSpot. You've taken a spin off of a real American hero that Bud Light has done, and you've created the real admin, I believe. Real, yeah, real admin of genius was. Yes, yeah, okay, the real admin of geniuses, right? So you're taking a lot of interesting cultural trends in the B2B and even B2C space, and you're applying them to this. But there's a reason that you started out making content. What was that reason? I enjoy it. Uh, sure. One of the things that's been almost counterintuitive for everybody has this like something they do on the side or a hobby or a passion, and how do you monetize it? And I've thought, you know, considered all of that, but I enjoy this the most. So the advice unconventional advice was if you can't do it for free and then get paid later then you don't enjoy it enough to do it there's a lot of debate on how should you charge should you not should you do free work sure. if you don't enjoy it enough uh, I think Dickie Bush told me this or Thomas Cole anyway they said if you don't enjoy it enough to, to do it for free then you're not going to make money or have longevity at it yeah so I, I just started doing it because I enjoyed it okay that makes sense and part of it too was the were learning the product right yeah it was very helpful to have like a I mean as funny and comedic as they were, like a chronicle of me learning. Uh, I can go back and look and evaluate my knowledge of RevOps and HubSpot and product features like sure. through videos. Uh, so yeah, it's a good forcing function to, to learn also. Yeah. So how, I mean, are you a funny guy in general? Do you take on a persona as you mentioned, you know, you dress up and when you're in this content, you're in the orange suit, which is the HubSpot color. Um, and you are, you call yourself the mayor of inbound, right? Yes. So that's, I mean, that's a super long and odd story to condense that. It kind of just happened at inbound last year. Inbound is HubSpot's uh, kind of key. Yeah. Big conference in Boston in September. It's in a month this year also. Um, and so I just wore pre inbound. It was like, it's been COVID. We're the fastest hearing elite partner. Nobody's ever really met us in person. Like we should make a splash at this event. And our co-founder chimed in and said, yeah, we want to be bombastic. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy this suit. It's literally just something I ordered on Amazon for like sure. 50 bucks. Um, and that kind of trend, uh, people just kind of caught on to it. I mean, I love it. People in the uh, HubSpot, like HubSpot community, like executives have like either purposefully or accidentally endorsed me as mayor of Inbound, which is crazy. Yeah. It's a good way to start a personal brand on accident. Well, I think it's a great way to start a personal brand, but I also think, you know, let's not look past the fact that that's great branding for Rev partners, right? Because now you, if you weren't on HubSpot's, you know, sort of corporate radar before, you definitely are now. Yes, I have. It's been acknowledged, and so the idea that even though I wasn't the most, um, not there's a lot of people that know HubSpot way better than me. Sure. Everybody at Rev Partners is probably more proficient in using HubSpot as a tool than I am, and I don't pretend to be an expert. I just, you don't have to be an expert to love a product or a service or anything. Sure. So I do, I make, that's my contribution. Now I am learning a lot more every day, yeah, uh, but it's it's more of redirect, and this is kind of why we're here, using comedic content to redirect and turn into revenue. I don't care yes. about the expertise, I care about the attention stream. So for me, controlling more mindshare attention by drawing kind of like a hybrid of like actually informative and I mean, I call it edutainment. I've heard yes, other people say edutainment. Yeah, bringing that in puts the eyes and ears on the people that actually know what the hell they're talking about, which exactly. is my team at Rev Partners, and it's it's worked pretty well. Yeah, and I think I think you're a really interesting example, uh, specifically of how you can take edutainment and throw it into just like you're just you're taking edu you're taking education, you're marrying it really well with entertainment, and it makes people want to it makes people want to pay attention. 
And isn't that the whole goal of marketing is to get people to pay attention to you and your brand? Yes. Attention is very expensive. So, I mean, now we're yes. in a scroll economy where people can, I mean, there are literally metrics invented for, did you watch past the first three seconds? And right. a lot of people can't, can't yes. meet that, right? Yes, so, exactly. How do you capture attention? And so people talk about demand gen and demand capture. I like the attention gen and attention capture sure. plus like the holding on, right? Yeah. Used to be ebooks or gated content or whatever it was. Now it's like, did they go to my YouTube shorts playlist and watch anything else? Like what did they look at from there if you want to get like attribution oriented? Um, but that's the approach. It's just like as dumb as this is going to sound, I've said it before, so I'm, maybe I'm immune to it, but there's there's a scene in um, an Adam Sandler movie where he's talking about drawing a blue duck, right? And he's like, I drew a blue, uh, duck blue because I've never seen one before, and that's why I have it. And a lot of my strategy, if you want to call it that, is like, what have I never seen in this space, in B2B? It, this exists everywhere else, B2C, people making their own content, but nobody, and you, you probably think this way too, that's coming to B2B. Yes. And people, it's harder to earn people's attention initially, and it's harder to keep it. So you really have to have, like, either, I do a lot of parodies, but you have to have, like, original takes. They don't have to be new, like, inventing the wheel, but something that looks different in a different space. It's called anachronism, like, things that are out of place in time, I think work really well in B2B. Yes. It's, it's relevant already. I think, I know, I think you are 100% correct. I mean, that to me is, you know... I think, I think that's probably a really important way is like you're taking the same thing, you're just putting it in a different perspective. And that, that is important whether or not you choose to do it through a comedic lens or not, right? You can do it in through a thought leadership way as well where you just tie in, you know, what you're doing with something else that somebody's never even really considered. Just giving people a reason to pause and say, hmm, right? That's a big... I mean, the best marketing, I think, generates some sort of emotional response, right? Yes. So if you think about like the all-time ad campaigns, for me, my favorite are all funny. But some of the also successful ones elicit some equally strong emotion, whether it be, you yes. know, every kiss begins with K, all of those that are like, that transcend, they do a good job of connecting to emotion. I just can't like make a serious or sad or, you know, like, Depra sure. I, I can't do any of that. But it, it could happen to B2B too, right? Like you can take the same emotional, That's not... Right instructive or informative or talking to people but like telling a story that's coming to b2b and i think yes. it's coming with people that that are influencers or creators yeah oh 100 percent is there there's there's absolutely no question and i think it's it's going to be to me the question is like what platforms really sort of win out when it comes to this so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a minute but first i want to go back to the your point about kind of emotion because one of the things if you look at you know and you also you also talked about the parallels with b2c right right now who's winning the content game, in my opinion, um, that's B2C is Barbie, right? Mattel, yeah. uh, Mattel CEM is everywhere, right? And Mattel CEO has made, um, you know, he's not made any sort of, he's not hiding this at all. He, he wants to be the entertainment empire of Mattel, right? And he wants to do that, why? To sell more product, to sell more toys. So that's an interesting take. Hasbro, which is another toy company, um, they also, you know, they also have the same, the same approach. And what's interesting is the CEO of Hasbro actually said specifically um, in a recent interview that I was listening to that they have a little bit of an advantage, right? Because their consumers want like a deeper experience with their product. And there is an emotional connection that they have there. There are also communities that are created around their toys, around their games. And then there are also end up being 
social activation, social socialization opportunities around this as well. So one of the things that I was thinking about is how does how does B2B come at that? Because no one gets emotional over SaaS products, right? There's not really a true emotion that's evoked that you have. So you have to sort of figure out a way around that. And I would venture to say that the way that you figure that out is through comedy. There's a lot that you just said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So there are emotions involved in in SaaS, in your work, in all of that. Yes. It's either, uh, I mean, there's it's contextual, so it's by example, but if you take, I mean, one that I've played on before and then a like stamped comedy at the end is like, how frustrating is it that 40% of your day is just admin work when you could be out there selling because your system is broken and capturing that feeling of like, God, I just, you know, I just changed my past. I just did this or now I have to go enter all this yes. in. You can capture that emotion and not say anything funny about it and that be your campaign or that be something you build a character or a persona for because people, I, I would wager 100% of people can relate and empathize with frustration about technology. Of course. Right? So if that's your angle, like HubSpot's easier to use, then you can pair it with that emotion and, and have something impactful. I have done that to the you know hundredth degree of insanity right with spongebob or like whatever else you know stupid sure. song or video that i make up but it is paired with an emotion uh as far as the the question about who can come to b2b anybody right with a cell phone and the internet now every yeah. person can be if they want to be their own media company so companies like mattel that's not a media company has a media or marketing division. That's how big they are is they have like a media division, right. smaller like bootstrapped or startups or, you know, people in this space that we're in, they don't have that budget yet, but each person there can be their own media company. So if you're a consultant or you're, you know, whatever you're doing, or you're in the SaaS space, you can have demand gen. That's more of like the operations and the metrics and measuring and strategy moving forward. But every person that has internet and a phone, can be a like satellite subsidiary media company of the company. That's, I mean, that's almost yeah. how I've, I view myself and we're trying, I mean, we're trying to help build that so that you don't have a percentage. Like I think it's one out of every 10, 10% 10 of people enjoy being on camera or create content. It's probably less than that, yeah. but at a, org that's 60 people, if you can get 20, you know, 33% or 50% of them to have their own voice, have their own, first of all, it's better for engagement, you know, on LinkedIn, especially company pages and brands, like it, they're not prioritized. It, it's easier to get attention or to get engagement if you're a, a, a person, not a company. Right. So doing that and empowering people to share their personal brand and their story and kind of marrying it or pairing it with like the overall. Yeah. Um, campaign or like direction of the of the team. That's what we're. That's what I'm. I think is important. In what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's right. And I do think that B two B marketers are set up well because they do have an ensemble of people that they can they can pull from, right? Or they can yep. do another thing, which is they can hire someone like you, for example, or any anybody else who is an interesting actor to effectively cast them in a role to create content for their social media platforms. And we've seen that happen a lot in B2C, and that's something we do at the Social Standard as well. But I do think that it's fairly impactful for B2B, especially if you don't have anyone who's you know, in that 10% that wants to be in front of the camera on, or in content. Um, so I do think that that's interesting. And I think the other thing too is like, when you look at, you know, you, you, drew, you drew sort of an interesting parallel there with B2C and, and B2B, but like, do you think is every is every company on the path to becoming a media business 
and should they all be on the path? <laughs> and should they all? I was going to say, should they be? I mean, people that are ahead are already. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, look at Lavender. They, they have yeah. hired, I mean, I've personally kind of been, uh, I don't know when they were found. I, I assume my journey kind of is parallel to theirs as far as like so. them. Yeah, and it's just for our audience, I'll interrupt really quickly to say Lavender, it's Lavender AI, correct? Yep. Um, so Lavender AI is an email sort of, it's a tool that allows you to improve your emails for outreach. So if you're a salesperson, this is sales tech for you that help, help, hope, hopefully helps you with your open rate, I believe, um, and like your general engagement with email. And they have done some really interesting content work um, specifically around their product that has been, I think they started out really lo-fi LinkedIn content that went really, really sort of viral, had a lot of success with it, so much so that they're actually launching Lavender Land right now, which is a streaming service, I would say in quotes, um, on their website where they're going to have a ton of content that you can binge watch at any point in time as part of your customer journey. So with that in mind, go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, th that doesn't exist anywhere else. No other company, especially in this space, has their own stream. I mean, that's just wild. Um, whether it will achieve what they're looking for it to achieve or not is yet to be determined. But, sure. like, we're sitting here on a podcast talking about them. They're not a sponsor. They're not, like, that. we're talking about them as a, as a trendsetter. Um, shout out Jen Allen, uh, who's awesome, and Todd. I know all of them. Right? It's crazy yeah. that they're so available and they're so good at what they do. They almost... I think that Jen and Will and Todd and everybody they have currently was like hired on and they were already, they already had an audience. Right. Can you create that organically? I think so. That, that, well, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. So like, yeah. I can see where that would be a concern where somebody, maybe it hurts your like brand affinity. I don't think Lavender is ever going to have a problem with that because they're, they just work so well together and all their messaging is the same. But you could, you could see somebody being a uh, hired spokesperson that doesn't have the same effect as an evangelist right sure. like if they'd have hired me to come over there wearing an orange suit to be like you just paid him to not like he doesn't get it he hasn't used the product there's right. almost some authority or credibility issues that is not the case now um but yeah like those types of initiatives it's wild to me to think that we're we haven't been around nearly as long as some of the other people in our space, like just our solutions partner areas. And we're already, uh, we have the third or fourth most LinkedIn followers, uh, like all of that growth, like we prioritize. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like we, we see it on the back end yeah. as far as like sales metrics and retention and all of NPS or all of that is, it's hard to attribute directly. And I know correlation doesn't equal causation, but a lot of these things line up pretty well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that's, so what you're saying is that Rev, Rev Partners has prioritized LinkedIn growth for their company page as well as their employees' pages, and that you guys have seen on the back end turn into leads revenue um, engagement. Yes, it is a, um, a source for us, okay. like a deal source would be LinkedIn referral. And it's from, it's from other people that were now um, – I don't want to say training or coaching or like creating because I have a very, these people are amazing by themselves. I'm just kind of a, sure. a cheerleader, right? Like you can do it. I've already seen it. You do this stuff internally. Just post, just share it with the public. Like yes. everybody, that's, that's one of the things. So, but yeah, we've seen that and we've get, we've gotten several deals sourced uh, and closed. I mean, it is important to note from LinkedIn. Yeah, so if I you're not considering that. that as a strategy, then you're not considering your entire strategy. Like you're not considering all the options available to you. Yeah, that's right. Now, is LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a priority for you guys. Are there any other platforms that, as a B2B marketer that are a priority for you? 
yeah, I got promoted Wednesday to this. So, yeah, there will be other platforms uh, that will explore. Threads happened for like three days, and then yep. it's gone. So uh, I don't know what happened there. I'm sure it'll take back off. But um, it, it depends, right? You ha- I mean, you have to know your audience to an extent and, and where they prefer to be, like meet people where they are. If, if I do all this and then I'm a frequent TikTok user because I like watching the cool like videos of them cooking or funny stuff that sure. happens or sports highlights, meet them there. So make TikTok content um if it's if it's youtube whatever i don't think facebook is a real i mean just from in this professional space linkedin to me equals facebook one's professional one's not well i think it depends on what you're doing right because if you are creating content that is edutainment style content that doesn't necessarily and it's video that doesn't necessarily work well on like meta platforms i don't think i think that's more tiktok that's more youtube Right. And there's audio, I mean, there's stuff now and it's, it's, I've seen ton of it. I've uh, subscribe or follow a lot of it almost as research, which Uh sounds crazy, but a lot of people are getting into this and it just hasn't taken off yet. Um, a lot of the people that are almost overproducing or or spending a bunch of money to have it, it's not taking off either. So the, the takeaway for there almost removes the, um, the blocker limiting factor of you having experience. Look at me. Are you having like, superior production quality look at some other place things that you see you're asking like I, I wonder how much that spent or I wonder how much that cost or I wonder how many views and it's just not successful because people aren't authentic like what sells now is emotion but it's authenticity so I think that's why the people that are winning they're incredibly authentic um, and it's that's the the strategy of like how you present yourself do whatever you do funny not emotional whatever thought leadership do it in an authentic way and it resonates more with the people yeah 100 percent. i think we've seen that exact same trend in the b2c space right and i also think that when you are when you're on a platform you need to that platform content needs to feel like it belongs there right a highly produced video on tiktok doesn't really feel right Proper, right. right. That doesn't that wouldn't make any sense. And I also think that, too, you're, you're right. They're saying that we're early days on a lot of this stuff. And so it's a it's time to do like more lo fi test and learn, be fast, um, try things. What does it yep. be fast and break things? I think that's kind of where we're at. And that's, that's sort of what you have to be doing. You don't need to have a thirty thousand dollar, you know, podcast budget to go out and create a killer podcast. You just don't. You're I mean, you're exactly right. Move fast and destroy everything is uh, is what I've pivoted to. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think, but almost like for me, and I know that just, again, it's scroll economy, I would argue that you're exactly right. On LinkedIn or on TikTok, like an overproduced uh, video seems more like an ad, right? It's out of place. And so that actually might stand out to me more if it weren't intentionally an ad, like if it were well done at all. On the inverse, I find myself more attracted to uh, and engaging more with lower produced quality on LinkedIn. So there's more like... On LinkedIn, it seems more like those videos are ads or they have an agenda and the, you know, selfie stick yes. videos. I like those more. It resonates more. Again, it seems more authentic. And so it depends on like which platform you're, I'm currently on for what sticks the most. Yeah. Uh, another weird, you mentioned this earlier, but another odd concept and it's me and it's lavender, but like people they're used to, I love jingles. I mean, they just stick in your head forever. And so even lavender's little jingle that they have is mm-hmm. almost an old school throwback to like how marketing kind of used to be done. Yeah. And that's the only reason I've put mu- music in mind. I'm not a musician. I'm not any of that, but I'm decent enough to like put something out there and people have that nostalgia, right? That's an emotion that ties you to whatever you're watching or viewing. So the intent there is like you learned your ABCs probably by singing them just like 
the core things. I mean, there's a there's a marked statistical improvement in like musical memory. Um, so that's why I do that. It's it's probably seems dumb and like you know weird owl of B. Somebody called me weird owl of B to B, which is a thank yeah. you. That's a huge compliment. But it's because it sticks in your head longer. So I encourage anybody out there to like try new you know weird something you haven't seen before and see if it sticks. Nobody yeah. knows what they're doing, by the way. If you want to buy my course, I don't have one because I haven't figured anything out yet enough to charge anybody. <laughs> um, but that's my free advice, right? Just go fast, yeah. break things, figure it out I later. like that. And I think I, what I like about what I would say, it seems like the takeaways from for how to leverage emotional marketing in B2B is to talk to people about their pain points because that's where emotions lie and then capitalize potentially on some nostalgic marketing that they will identify with um, and enjoy. Yeah. I mean, that's whatever you're going to do, it needs to be done decisively and authentically. So if you choose, I mean, again, for me, it's, it's the funny stuff. Um, but that's all, it's all real. And then the conversations after, I can't tell you for anybody that's an influencer, anybody that's creating content, like I even make a point to tell everybody here this same thing now. That's not not even half of it, if, depending on what the goal is, yeah. uh, right? So if you're just trying to make like viral videos, then I, I think there's more important pressing things to get you there. But the engagement on the back end is almost more important than the video itself. Like somebody spent, for me, it's like two, three minutes to watch a video or listen to a song, whatever it is. And like that needs to be thanked and like thanked quickly people that have like a hundred thousand or a million followers they have like specific times they engage and it's part of a strategy but it's almost too automated and so if with without engagement of your audience and asking in dms and and even being on a podcast like this without engaging people won't buy it anymore and it doesn't advance future videos it doesn't advance future creative ideas that's right from an individual standpoint. So yeah, 100% right. on the engagement. And that's the community element, right? So we've touched right. on, here's how the emotions happen with B2B. Here's how community happens, and that comes with the engagement and a killer sort of social engagement team strategy or one person, whoever it is. <laughs> and then the third piece uh, to bring that back is the socialization opportunities. And I do think that you know there are things like conferences that are coming back that you mentioned earlier, but there are also opportunities to have dinners or experiences or invite potential customers who are you've noticed been dancing around your content on social but have yet to hit by right invite them in and create social socialization opportunities where you can meet in real life and and take that and that's maybe that's how you bring it full circle to close the deal yes meeting in real i mean again that's wasn't an option as much two years ago right. feel, how far are we from covid two three years two years three, three years i think yeah, so I mean, like, with that, people, I don't know, I took it for granted. So, like, going back to Inbound was like, holy shit, I've never been to a conference before when I knew full well that I have been. I mean, nothing that large before, but it's like, man, this is the first time I've ever done this. So, t taking advantage of that if you can. Yep. We're kind of globally uh, spread out, so it's hard to, to make that happen, and it's travel, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. um, the other component of that with, in B2B or B2C, in person or not, is that the two are almost blended now, right? So yes. e even if you're saying dinner, like we had to improvise and we had a, a, a partner that did like a wine and uh, paint, but it was virtual and everybody had their own thing. Like that's engaging. That's kind of fellowship, if you will, or community um, relationship building is I think the core element. So that's how to decrease churn. That's how to create like 
evangelist for your brand and referrals, all of that is married together. But the B2B and B2C working from home for like two years, two or three years, however long it was, part of the reason it's so ambiguous now is because those lines were blurred, right? Like B2C, B2B, I work and live and do everything from one spot right here. So yeah. maybe maybe that had an impact on like what works in marketing. It kind of changed during that time. The takeaway is that virtual, in-person, whatever, like focus on relationship building. And you do that with everything I've just said, like engagement, all of that uh, community conferences, if, if that's, you know, that's if that's right. available to you. Yeah, I agree totally. Now, another question I have for you here is that when you're talking about, you know, move, moving fast and destroying things, as you say, <laughs> how does that how does that work for a small business versus a big business? And when I say and, and also, how does it work for when you're targeting a small business or targeting enterprise level clients? It's easier to do when uh, the smaller you are. Mm -hmm. Like smallness equals agility or nimble. Like you can be way more nimble. I think that's you run literally run a business that's poised to dominate right now because of personal brand and the approval. Like the speed. Speed is your speed never slumps. Uh, shout out to speed. But the quicker you can get it done and the less red tape and approvals and all that you have to go through, the more of an impact it'll make. I watched uh, one of the coolest videos I've seen that was that I did a little digging on and realized it took like six months to be produced and like some sort of budget, right? It was fantastic, but I did something in one afternoon after seeing that and posted it the next day that got almost the same amount of engagement, mm -hmm. period. I didn't have to approve it through anybody. I didn't have to do anything. That's a whole other podcast episode about like, culture and how I was empowered to do that and knowing sure. with judgment, right? Like I can, there, there wasn't any red tape or any like well, questions that, that I had. You posting, you're posting that on your personal social channels, not on Rev Partners though, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. That, that makes sense. You get a little bit more, you potentially get a little bit more freedom to do that, even though you're acting as an evangelist. Correct. Yeah. So I mean, the decision a company has to make is do they want to have a, a authoritative or, or polarizing tone or not? If not, they're not going to stand out. They'll be, I mean, safety versus aggressiveness is kind of the thing. But like, I mean, I could point to five social accounts that do an unbelievable job of it. Slack is probably number one. They are one of the most engaging. Like, I've seen them go from 600,000 to almost 2 million. I've seen Lavender do the same. Lavender had five, 6,000 followers, which is insane for a page at the time. Now they're at 40K. It's because they're engaging. On LinkedIn. on LinkedIn, correct. And it's because they have a stance, right? Like, your cold email sucks. It sucks. It's terrible. It's, bother it's bothersome to me, right? And we can show you how to get better. So it's a conversation, but they have a very strong stance on that. The, fur the higher up you go into, like, the enterprise space, uh, and the more moving parts there are, I feel like it's just a natural de-evolution de of how strong of a stance you can have. Sure. And so with that, like the algo loves polarizing things but here's either the way. Thing. Here, here's where I would push back on that, is that the reason that you are taking a polarizing stance is to gain mass adoption for your product. These enterprise companies <laughs> have already gained mass adoption, so they're already at your finish line. Correct. So the question to me is then how do you continue to move the needle? For those guys right and i do think i don't think you have to take a polarizing approach but i still think that you can involve comedy in really fun ways i still think you can address pain points for your customers it just becomes a little bit more complicated because you have uh you know if you if you look at like um a salesforce for example they have smaller clients and they have enterprise clients so how do you talk to them on the same channel um at the same time and the question is 
I mean, I think the answer is you do it through evangelists, right? You have your small customer team, you have your enterprise level team, and you let those guys talk to those audiences um, on their own sort of personal pages on LinkedIn, right? As evangelists, I guess I, sh I should I should document that it's as evangelists. I don't want anyone getting on Snapchat and start talking about um, you know SAP or anything right. like that. <laughs> no, I mean you're right. It's uh, yeah. The inter being in that position and and having like enterprise accounts or being like you you're not sure who your audience is. It's so it's so big now. Like to your point, they've already conquered. Like they're at the end state. Right. Um. So there's not a need to necessarily attract, but it moves into like retain. Like the growth yes. is smaller, but the retention is more. So you have to mm -hmm. cater to more interest and more, like th <clears throat> that's harder. <clears throat> Excuse me. But your audience, like if you find something that resonates enough universally, you can still have a strong like stance and retain and, yeah. and still have growth also. Like it's the same value proposition. It's maybe just communicated. Who is executing bit. it, right? Yeah, like, exactly. is it the company or the, in, yeah, correct. So, I mean, like, again, it, it almost mathematically might be more impactful for them. I mean, if you were a CMO or like a uh, chief of demand gen or whatever that looks like, you could just give a directive to your, like anybody on the team, let's just say a thousand person org, like, one of the requirements of working here or retaining, like remaining employed here is you have to put content on social media yeah. and then whatever guidelines, right? Like that would be more impactful if it's adopted. It was funny you mentioned mass adoption because our, like our value prop is adoption is the most important good regardless mm -hmm. of tool. Yeah. Um, so that, well, like that's what I, we push. I think that you're an, in, you're, you have an interesting perspective to provide here because you are a small business who in theory targets other smaller businesses However, you do it off of HubSpot, which is a huge enterprise-based business. Right. Right? So right. a little bit inception of like within the circle, within the circle, within the circle. But it is interesting because HubSpot, you, you even told me before we jumped on here that you just had a, you got the, the CEO of HubSpot to come on like a podcast with you. Yeah, she. I'm talking to her again. Lucky me, uh, Thursday. She agrees. She's one of the most wonderful, gracious people ever. So she was like, "Hey, it happens. That sucks. Mm -hmm. Let's do it Thursday." Right. Yeah. And just for our audience, they, he recorded the whole podcast, but forgot to hit record. So. Yeah, I didn't want that part shared to the audience. I mean, yeah, it's a <laughs> blunder of the century there on my part. But uh, yeah. So. But it feels like there's probably some comedic inspiration in there when you go to promote that video. So. Uh, I already have an idea. I mean, it, yeah, it'll. I've figured that part out already, uh, which is very self-deprecating, but it's it, to me it's funny. Sure. Um, you were asking about audience, like yes. So it is a small like Rev Partners is smaller, HubSpot is gigantic. Again, that's more on the like approval and the length of time it takes to to get everything through mm -hmm. to get something actually done from idea to like delivery. Not the not the same case here um, with the like. Who makes up those things? All I'm trying to do, I think it's like who you're talking to. And there's some, some comedic liberties there. There are some, Chris Bogue, shout out Chris Bogue, um, was helping me through this. Uh, he coaches people how to get on video and how to how to do this. His background's also in improv. And he was like, if you have a really strong opinion, just make a character and give them that opinion. That way it's not you. So the mayor, like the mayor character can say, Salesforce sucks you know, can say whatever. And it's, it's more of a creative outlet in the same way. I'm not addressing you, the Salesforce user or this person or whatever. I'm like, there's PLG. And then there's what I am trying to push, which is mm -hmm. PHLG, which is philosophy led growth. 
This is challenging the indoctrination that Salesforce is the only way to go up market to enterprise. That's bullshit. HubSpot can do it now too. Oh, well, it doesn't. There's been over 5,000 product updates in the last two years, two, three years since the non-compete ended. Mm. If you still think differently, you're just ignorant from the fact of not knowing. Like okay. ignorance is a weird word, but it just means you didn't know. It means you had no idea. It's hard to keep up with all the, the things that they're doing to move up market. So challenging that philosophy of Salesforce is the only way. No, it's not. And so once people realize that all of everything I'm doing comedically or otherwise is not attacking a person or a company, but it's attacking a concept, I almost, and this got voted down, but it's almost turning uh, enterprise or Salesforce or that whole thing into an ism. Like mm -hmm. we had lots of isms that over data and thought and like communication, that's not right. You're not supposed to not like somebody because they're you know, I don't want to get into that, but it's it's sure. the same concept. You're challenging something that people have just accepted for sure. 25 years and saying there's a better way. We were, didn't we ride horses for like thousands of years before somebody invented the car? Like there's another option. That's why I'm being so loud, and that's why it takes somebody doing something in an orange suit or comedic to say loudly a message because until it's just like adoption, right? If people don't adopt it, it's not going to work. Right. Same concept with the overall narrative or philosophy yeah i like that a lot i think that actually i think that makes a ton of sense it's, it's well it's well put um coming from a firefighter too coming from a firefighter <laughs> yeah hey you know what i mean maybe maybe more people need to hire firefighters if they're dropping knowledge like you right <laughs> shout out city of pearl that's right hey hey i like it well look i mean i think you know this has been a super interesting conversation i love the perspectives that you provided on emotional marketing communities socialization how to look at like how to challenge um current sort of dogmas or isms and bring in fresh blood and how you can do that through comedic lenses. My final question for you is, do you have any advice for a brand who is listening right now and wants to lean into the comedic and entertainment style content? What's your number one tip for them? Man, I wish I'd have prepped better for this. Um, off the cuff, the advice is, you're prob wherever you are, you're probably paid for being good at something or, and for having an opinion. So have it publicly and also be willing to change your opinion. Everything else is, is just execution, right? I've got a trillion ideas in my head. Um, the only difference in being somebody that thinks a lot and has good ideas uh, and somebody that's a content creator is a camera. So if it's something you're considering or something you're passionate about, just record it. That's all content creation is at first and, and really into like, you know, if it was a book, like into the fifth chapter, you're still just recording yourself. Then you can worry about like, oh, the lighting is off or oh, the tone or oh, the I need to make this shorter. But until you get to that point, just put a camera right here, talk into it, walk around with it um, and capture it. It's, it's good for longevity for, for yourself. I mean, I look back at stuff and think all the time. What an idea. I don't know if I was sleep deprived or had eight coffees or what, but I can make this a little bit better and make it into a video. That's right. So it serves as like a chronicling tool for, for my own ideas and, you know, whatever I'm doing at, at the it. same time. And hey, that's, that's what we're doing right here today, right? I have a question for you. Okay, let's hear it. It's social standard is an agency. In my head, agency is an odd word. Sure. Do you, do you represent people like how does that function work because I know what agency means for us like we sure. partner with people but do you, yeah, from the sports we side of with, it we partner with brands um, yeah we partner with brands and we help connect them with top influencers on 
all different social platforms. With our, our goal is to help brands grow and obviously ultimately sell products via word of mouth marketing, which is best done through influencers in today's yep. day, day and age. In my head, you were on the, you represented creator. You're like Scott Boris in the room yeah. with, you know, John Carlos yeah. Stanton or power, uh, Jalen hurts and mm-hmm. his, uh, his agent, they got him, you know, $500 million, whatever it is yep. in my head. That's what, <laughs> I we mean, are, that's well, not, we are, but we're, we are, we are that for brands, right? We help right, them find right. the, the big, we help brands find the big partnerships and the big people to, um, to work with. Right. So, got and it. you're right, but you know, we, we do have, we do represent a handful of talent as well. And that's something that we sort of are always kicking around. It's like, should we, should we dip into that? Um, and you know it ebbs and flows, but uh, maybe the B two B space will be the space that we decide to really launch into on that. Man, when you do it, you're my first call. <laughs> you are my first call, Rob. Well, it's look. such a good idea, <laughs> such a good idea. I think you could do it. You've been fantastic. I know that typically these get cut off without my feedback. This is amazing. I want to be on the next one. Um, you let me talk without, and you cut me off at the same time, which I asked for, but I, I mean, I give you a nine and a half out of 10, fantastically like done social okay, standard. So next, next tune time, in. next time we're doing it, I'm going for a 10. Yeah. I, see, that's why I didn't give you the 10. Cause if I give you one, I then can it, never be back. Gonna, yeah. So. so there you go. There's your sticky engagement marketing. There you go. <laughs> Rob, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. And, uh, for my audience, if you would like to give Rob Jones a follow, hit him up on LinkedIn. We will also link it down in the show notes. Uh, But we will, uh, until next time, we'll see you guys. Thank you.